Postscript. My name is Dave Severns. I'm the worship pastor here at Compass Point, and today with me is lead pastor Paul Eastwood. How's it going? It's going well. How are you, Paul? Uh, I'm doing well. Yeah. I'm doing well in these crazy times. Crazy We're times. still in them. We are definitely still in them. And on Sunday, we started a new series. Why not, right? So we started a series which we're titling How We Live, yeah. um, talking about our values, uh, talking about kind of these things that we want to define us and to shape how we live, hence how we live. Uh, why don't you give us a little little recap? What is, it, what is it we talked about on Sunday and why did we start with this one? Sure. So we were, uh, we were thinking a little bit about our, um, our values. And the reason we want to talk about values is because values are foundational. No matter what you think about sort of the business language of mission, vision, and values and all that kind of stuff, values basically are the, are the way or are how we do things, um, how we operate. And so we want these characteristics to be foundational to everything that we do as a church. Mm. And so we talked about these values, about generosity and creativity and humility and engagement and multiplication. And then we talked about prayer. But what we also talked about this week is is the flip side of those values. And the flip side of the values are um, are, are things that we, we put there on purpose. We talked about them on purpose. The reason we talked about them is because because we all have the tendency to actually do these things every once in a while. What I mean is the idea of self-centeredness or, mm-hmm. you know, seeking comfort. There are times when I seek comfort. Um, there are times when I'm thinking more about myself. There are times when I'm a little bit judgmental or, um, you know, apathetic. And so some of these things are, are characteristics that we can sometimes describe ourselves as. And we want to make sure that we're moving towards the opposite of those. Yeah. And and I think that'll guide the way that we work, the, the way that we do things. And yeah. So this week we talked about prayer. We talked about this idea, this big idea of, of the fact that prayer needs to go over everything that we do. Mm-hmm. And it's the last value just because of the way that we talk about it. But at the same time, it's the most foundational value. And so we wanted to start that way as we began the year. Yeah. And this one, like the language of this one. So everything else is like creativity over comfort. And yeah. we're kind of framing comfort as that thing that we do sometimes that's bad. Yeah. And creativity is this good that we're aspiring towards. Yeah. And prayer is a different one, right? So prayer yeah. over everything. We're not saying right. that everything is bad. Yeah. We're saying that prayer has to be foundational in, in everything we do. Yeah. Um, which is so good. And you you talked a, a, a lot about prayer on Sunday, obviously. Yep. Um, you had some great, uh, great things. A line that stuck out to me uh, that you said, if you want to know what a person believes, listen to how they pray. Yeah. Um, what, do you, what do you mean by that? Well, I think that, the way that we approach God reveals so much about what we believe. Mm. And, and it is, yeah, it's absolutely, it's a crystal clear picture of what we believe about God. So for instance, if we ask, you know, when we, when we pray, um, you know, if someone is sick, how do we pray for the sick? Mm. Um, you know, do we like, do we kind of hedge our bets, you know, when we, when we start praying in the sense that we kind of circle a little bit and, and we don't want to just pray boldly about a specific thing. We'd rather kind of pray around the edges just in case God does something different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, w- so the question is, do we actually believe that, that prayer changes things? Um, you know, that, that has an effect. Uh, do we, do we approach God like he's our buddy or he's our friend or he's a genie in a bottle who's going to, mm-hmm. you know, you know, grant us three wishes you know, all of those things uh, are just crystal clear pictures of the way that we, um, what we believe about God. Yeah. And it, it, so I was convicted this week as you were talking about prayer. Um, I feel like sometimes the more we get to know theology and we study God and we, we kind of lean into these attributes of God, like he's unchanging, mm-hmm. um, 
when we come to prayer, we're kind of like, well, God, you've already figured it out, so do whatever you're going to do, and uh, I guess what I want doesn't really matter. Yeah. And you kind of pushed back a little bit against that. Yeah. Um, which, it, it, like, it's it's difficult theological ground, if I can say, because we don't really have the answers on this. But but oh, you, yeah. you encouraged us uh, from the words of Andrew Dempsey, who's one of our missionaries who does um, this big prayer conference every year and is a great teacher on prayer and practicer of prayer, of course, to, to assume that God's answer is yes to us. Mm-hmm. Can you like explain that one a little yeah, bit? Yeah, because you got to be careful, right? Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. I I I I think this is a really interesting uh, concept or idea because I think traditionally in the church, um, if you've grown up in a in a tradition that's similar to mine, you know, you're told that you know if you pray, God will will an- will always answer your prayer, and it's either a yes or a no or a wait. You know, those are the things mm-hmm. that He does, and I think that what sometimes that does is that gets us to a point where we pray for something and then we move on because we've assumed that God has answered no, or he's told us a different thing in that, in that particular context. So the, the idea, like I, I took us to a passage where Jesus uh, tells a parable and it's one of the only parables that the, the, the explanation of the parable is actually up front. Um, mm. Luke who wrote the book, uh, uh, the, the gospel of Luke, he says that Jesus told a parable to his disciples and he told them this so that they would always pray and never, never give up. And then he goes on and tells the story, which is a little different. But so we get the point right from the very beginning, this idea of persistent prayer. And then, and then he goes on and tells the story about this woman who just is so annoying that this judge finally, you know, gives her what she wants. And then, you know, the, the application is not that God is this, you know, mean evil judge, but that if the judge is going to give this woman what she wants and he doesn't care, how much more would God give us those things and hmm. provide justice uh, because he cares so deeply for us? Yeah. And so anyway, so let me get back to your question is really about, you know, like how do we deal with this idea of going to God with the expectation that he's going to say yes? Mm-hmm. There is no there is no place for, you know, assuming that, you know, God is some kind of a genie that is going to grant us wishes and do exactly what we want. But what I would say is that the closer that we get to God, the more we find our prayers in line with him. And the closer that we get to God, the more we begin to see the ways that our prayers are answered. And so all of those things, um, you know, kind of, I think that approaching God with this, with this confidence that the Bible says, like, you know, if you, if you are, you know, in the right place and, you know, these conditions are, you know, there, there are, they do talk about conditions that are met for prayer, then, you know, then, then God will provide these things mm-hmm. and he loves to give good gifts to his children. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes because of our experience with prayer, we forget, you know, this, this God who wants to give us gifts. And, you know, that, that I think is something that is helpful when we go to him in prayer. Yeah. That's, uh, that's really good. So it's not that, it's not that we can say, Hey God, I really want a new car. I don't have a new car yet. I'm just going to keep praying this. And I'm going to assume that you're going to say yes. And you'll just provide the money miraculously. Like it's not permission for us to act foolishly. Yeah. Um, and, and I think we've talked about this before and other things. One of the great, great indicators of, of is what you're praying good and helpful is our community, right? If you, if you were to tell someone around you, you're praying for this, would they say, that's a really great prayer. Keep praying it. Would they say, well, maybe that's not mm. the greatest thing. Um, I think that that can be helpful too. Yeah. That's a really helpful thing. That you just, yeah. Um, but which is, I mean, it's one of the reasons why praying together can be so good. Obviously the personal practice of prayer is, is important. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually one of the reasons we, you talked a little bit about, you know, uh, you can tell someone's theology, what they believe about God by what they pray. Mm-hmm. It's one of the reasons I love and often turn to, um, 
prayers written by people who are wiser than I. Uh, like I read a, an opening prayer this week by Walter Brueggemann, who's an Old Testament scholar who I deeply mm-hmm. respect. And um, one, of, one of the best parts of my week was actually finding that prayer because I had to go through and just read this book of prayers. Yeah. Um, and just a great, great chance to be shaped by uh, a very, very wise man's view of who God is and what he's doing in the world. It was really, really helpful. The, the question I've got, though, so, I mean, God will answer us. Um, what do we do when when there are unspeakable evils in the world that we're praying against? Like, let's take this pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I was convicted, as you said, you know, pray. Like, I don't, I don't know if I've kept praying, God, make this thing go away quickly. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like, well, all the experts are telling me that it's going to be here for a while, so I'm just kind of going to accept it. Mm-hmm. Is that... Like, how do we pray about things like that? Or or even, let's get even more complicated and controversial here. What about the U.S. election? Because mm-hmm. I know there's people on both sides who are praying against unspeakable evil mm-hmm. and defining it as wildly different things, right? Like, how do, how do we understand God's will when it comes to these big things um, and, and our prayers into them that are sometimes answered yes and sometimes answered no? Yeah, I, I think that... There's two parts to this. I think I think the the there is the side of it where it's you know talking about the you know the outcome of our prayers mm-hmm. um, being something kind of tangible that we see. So let me put it this way: what happens in, most of the time when we pray is we look at something, we see that there's a problem, mm-hmm. and then we go to God with it in prayer, and then we expect Him to answer it. Yep. The problem with that with that. Uh, sort of uh, model is that we we are the ones that are seeing the problem and mm-hmm. we are interpreting the problem before we're bringing it to God. And so the expectation is that the answer that we're looking for, even though we believe it's right and true, may not be because it's yeah. because we don't see the problem the way that God sees it. So I think that oftentimes what we need to do is go to God um, expecting to hear about how to pray for the problem hmm. and and pray accordingly. So, you know, um, instead of saying like, okay, you know, here's this thing and, and I'm a Democrat or I'm a Republican or I'm, you know, sure. this and this is the problem and this has to happen. God, make this happen. Instead of saying that, you know, going to God and saying, look, I don't understand this. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, like, help me see a way through this. Help me understand this. Give me, give me wisdom here. And we recognize that the Holy Spirit can uh, direct us and guide us in some really cool ways in the midst of all of that. Yeah. And so I think if we, if we change the way we pray in the sense of like saying, okay, I see what's wrong here. God, do what I want. Say, God, show me what I need to see here and then do what you want. Hmm. And, and that's, that I think is, is one part of it. The other part of it, so that's the outcome part of it. The other part of it is, is how much prayer uh, affects us. And, and what I would say, so I point to like an example would be David um, in the Bible who, you know, his son was dying and he, you know, went and prayed and, you know, cried out to God and, you know, kind of tore his clothes and was praying and praying, you know, fervently and all this. And then all of a sudden, you know, things don't happen the way that he wanted them to. And so, but he just gets up and goes on with the rest of his day almost, you know, there's this sense in which it's like, okay, I'm done. I tried. Now I'm, (laughs) so what I'm trying to get at is that, is that yes, we fervently and expectantly, you know, go to God, pray, you know, put this before him, you know, uh, wrestle with it. But then in the end we get up and we go on with our day without, 
without an anxiety or fear that, you know, that God isn't acting, Mm -hmm. you know, just expecting that God's going to do what he's going to do. Right. And, you know, like, so, so with the pandemic, we can wrestle with it and fight with it and plead God to like, to stop it because all of those things indicate our perspective on God. It Mm -hmm. puts us in a place of like, he's God, I'm not, that's what I'm going to pray. Yep. But then when it's done, I recognize that he's God and I'm not, and I'm going to go on with my day recognizing that I, you know, that he's going to do the the thing that he's going to do. Yeah. Um, and you might be saying, okay, well then why pray in the first place? But this is, this is the whole point kind of, it puts us back where we belong and helps us help shape us in ways that's I think really important. Yeah. And, and we have a, a Bible that is full of times where God speaks to people and calls them into things that don't seem to make sense from the outside. Right. Right. Like we can assume there's a kind of a pattern in the, wor- the way the world works. And like, do I think the experts are largely right about the pandemic? Yeah, I do. Um, I think, you know, things are going to play out largely as they've said. That doesn't mean it's for sure going to happen, though. And right. God sometimes reveals things to us and calls us into things that are, are different. So one of the other things you talked about uh, on Sunday morning is this idea of waiting um, waiting on God, waiting to hear from God before you kind of jump into something or go. Uh, and, I, and I want, can you unpack that a little bit more? I, I heard that and I both thought, yes. And I thought, oh no, there's people in my life who already don't move quickly, like, and don't do the things that are in front of them or, and are afraid of risk and, and the unknown. This, this is only going to slow them down. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how do you like, what does that look like to wait on God? And then what, what do you do if you don't hear right away, if you've kind of tried to pray about something and, and there's no clear next step, where, where do you go? Yeah. I, I, so again, I mean, I haven't, I haven't figured this out in, in any kind of like, I'm not an expert on this. This mm. is something that, you know, I'm still learning and, and figuring out, you know, you've probably heard the really like, you know, silly sort of like kid illustration of prayer where, you know, there's a, a man who's, you know, in his house and it starts to flood and he, you know, prays God for a rescue and a guy shows up in a canoe and says, hey, let's go. And he says, no, I'm praying and I'm just going to leave this to God. And then the canoe <laughs> leaves and then the water gets higher and, it you know, then a guy in a motorboat comes and then leaves and then a guy in a helicopter comes when he's on the roof and then he, you know, that goes and then the, the water overcomes him and he drowns. And so he gets to heaven and he says, you know, God, what's going on? Like, you know, I pray that you would save me and you didn't. And he's like, I sent you like a boat and a helicopter and a canoe and you didn't listen. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so the, the, the point of that story, I think is that, is that I think that there is a, I think that there is like a divine connection between prayer and action Hmm. that, that I don't, I don't think that we see examples and I'd have to sort of research this a little more, but examples of people in the Bible who just sit and pray and, and don't do anything, you know, like the, the, you know, I think of Esther who, you know, prayed and fasted for three days, but then she took steps and, Hmm. and started moving. I think it's less about, like, I think that when we approach prayer, we think, okay, God is going to, to give me direction. So I need to go to him and he's going to like plot out a path. Well, we don't exactly see it that way. Um, and in fact, it often becomes a place of frustration because we're like, God, you know, why aren't you telling me this? Why aren't you? And it becomes very like myopic. It becomes like, it's all about me and my, and I think the, what prayer is really about is about ordering things correctly. So there's this sense in which when we wait, instead of jumping in and we spend time in prayer, 
what we're actually doing is giving God space, but it doesn't mean that we don't act like there's, there's a, there's, like I said, this connection between prayer and action that happens, you know, almost simultaneously. But, but I think that we, I think that if we stop and think about it, we can recognize the difference when we are rushing into something Mm. without, without, you know, and when we are, um, and when we're and when we're moving forward, but still having the thing, whatever it is that we're doing, completely covered in prayer. Yeah, does that make sense to you? So yeah. like, yeah, yeah, and still trusting. I think I think part of it is is we can we can come to God and we can pray. Um, and often I I feel like if, as I look at the Bible and as I look at my own life, often God will reveal uh, or kind of push me towards a longing or something that. That is like, I know this is a piece of the puzzle, but there's so many details that I don't understand yet. Yeah. And my tendency can be to be say, well, you know, I'm not going to do anything until I sort out all these details. Yeah. And that's not how God works. God, no. God says, I'm in charge. I'm in control. Yeah. Trust me. Yeah. You got to go. Um, I told the story in the, in the hub on Sunday of when we, when we left Lethbridge to move to BC to do my master's. And, you know, I was leaving a, a good a full-time job and uh, going to become a grad student and live in one of the most expensive yeah. cities in the world. And, you know, I, I left my job before we had a place to live. And I said, okay, God, like this is scary. And then God provided an amazing opportunity and place for us to live, which was only like, yeah, it can clearly be explained as God answering prayer. Um, but it was kind of after we'd taken that first step of you, I know you're calling me to this. I just don't know how it's all going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, waiting for answers doesn't always mean waiting for all of the answers. It's kind of wait for God to reveal something and, and take a step in that direction. Mm-hmm. It, I, I it's even, it's even bring them into the process, yeah. right? Like, oh, for sure. you know, that's the, that's part of it too. I did, um, Rachel and I were rewriting, rereading the passage in, in, um, first Samuel, uh, with, with Saul. Um, yeah. it's a, it's a crazy passage. Um, so, you know. Saul is waiting for Samuel. Everyone's freaking out. He waits the seven days that Samuel tells him to do. And it's kind of like, oh, what do I do? What do I do? I guess I'm just going to start a sacrifice, um, which seems like the kind of thing Samuel will, would do. And Samuel showed up and said, I told you to wait for me, mm-hmm. which I feel like if I was Saul, I'd be like, I waited, man. You were late. What's going <laughs> on? And like, I'm doing, I'm doing the right kind of thing you do. Like, from my perspective, I read that story. I'm like, man, Saul got like, that was a rough go for him. He was doing his best. And uh, what, what is it? Are there things I'm missing in that passage? Are there like, are there clear commands for Saul not to have done a sacrifice that he overstepped? Or is it just one of these things that we look back on and we're like, I don't know, there's something there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think that there's often these moments where we're like, whoa, that's harsh. You know, like... Um, and we see something happen that, that kind of surprises us. And yeah, I, I would say that I had the same, you know, feeling when I looked at that passage from, from first Samuel, but, but I think, I think that what the, um, there's a, there's a, there was a hastiness in the way that he approached the sacrifice. Hmm. It was more, uh, mechanical in the sense that it was like, I have to do this before we go. So let's like get this done. And that's why I kind of use the example on Sunday. It's kind of like that prayer that we pray before we eat yeah, and yeah, we yeah. just have to say it. And so we kind of say it in any way we can, but if we feel like it's like a wand that we kind of, you know, sort of wave and then everything is good. Yeah. And, and I think that was partly how the sacrifice was being treated by Saul. But I also think that 
it's it's just flat out uh, an issue of obedience. Like, hmm. um, you know, God said, hey, I'm going to be the one in charge. So, um, you know, follow me. And the prophet who speaks for God said, you need to wait there until I get there. And um, and Saul went ahead without him. Hmm. And it's funny because it's actually, it's like the second battle that Saul has. Like the very first one is he's victorious and everything goes well. And then the second one, everyone's afraid. and They don't know what to do. And then Saul tries to do the leader thing, mm-hmm. but that was the whole problem in the first place that Israel's leader was supposed to be God always. Yeah. Right. And so he kind of stepped into that place, um, inappropriately, but mm. it is, it is a strange passage, but I think it, again, it reminds us of like, um, you know, sometimes we, we think it, there's more nuance to it. Right. Yeah. Well, and I, I do love the, the reminder that even if you're doing the thing that from the outside looks like the right thing, even if you're doing the religious thing or, you know, you're spending time. Yeah. Like Saul was spending time worshiping God and giving back to him what he was due or, or that's what it looked like. Right. That's not a guarantee that you're hearing God. That's not a guarantee that you're coming to God with open hands and an open heart. Well, talk to me about like singing, right? How many times do we come into the service and we're, you know, giving God our all in our prayer or singing? Like, are we like, are we actually listening to the words? Do we mean what we say? Yeah. You know, are we like, what's, what's actually going on when we sing? And I think that's a similar way of like, you know, treating that worship in kind of a sort of an offhanded, like let's a quick, let's a mechanical, let's get this done so we can get to the next thing or whatever. Yeah. And the more, you know, something, the easier it is to fall into defaults and just to kind of for sure. Kind of do it. Yeah. I love that. Well, I think we're, uh, we're about at time. Any closing thoughts for us, Paul? Well, I just want to share again, um, our value on prayer over everything. Uh, the way we've talked about it is that we want to be people who always remain connected to Jesus. We aspire as a church community to make regular time for prayer, for guidance and wisdom, holding our plans loosely, allowing the Holy spirit to help us stay sharp. That's what we want to do as a church. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening along to this week's Postscript. We'll be back next week with more.